Welcome again to Holmfels Baptist Church. Again, Happy New Year. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, uh, welcome uh, to the first Sunday, the first Sunday morning service in 2022. This Sunday marks 22 years, 22 years of Holmfels Baptist Church being in this community. It also marks four years of me serving here as your pastor, and I must say that I am honored to do so. I appreciate very much your faithfulness to the Lord. And you know, the nature of our ministry here at Home Foods Baptist Church is, is a little unique. And while we have a growing number of a local population, local families here attending, we also have a number of folks usually associated with the, the U.S. military here. Uh, they come through, whether it's two or three years at a time, maybe a little longer, maybe a little shorter. But to both of those groups who have many differences, but a great commonality in the Lord Jesus Christ to you, to both of y'all, to all of y'all. I want to say I'm thankful. Thank you for being here. Uh, Kiki and I both greatly appreciate you very much. Again, it's our honor to be a part of God's plan for a local church in this community and to reach the greater community, even as far as Regensburg and even as far as other countries with our missions program. Now, I want to also say that no Christian is perfect, but as, as, as we serve here, as we gather here this morning, uh, I believe that we should live in a way that brings glory to God that honors Jesus Christ with every fiber of our being. You know, He deserves our very best. One of the verses that I meditated on during those early years of serving as pastor, those early few months rather, uh, back in January of 2018, was 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Now, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2 has always been a passage, always been a chapter that's near and dear to my heart uh, for many years, even before I was a pastor. But verse 4 kind of stood out to me as I transitioned from assistant pastor here to um, the senior pastor. And it says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. In other words, in order to please Christ, followers of Christ are not to be consumed with earthly affairs. Pleasing him must be at the forefront of all that we do. It must be at the forefront of all uh, of, of who we are in Christ, all that we are in Christ. And also at that time, as I was transitioning into the pastorate here back in 2018, I, I chose a verse to give us a model or a vision, if you will. Psalm 61, verse 2. Many of y'all already know this. And it gives us a purpose to help us strive to remain untangled by this world's affairs. Psalm 61, verse 2 says this, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. That rock is, of course, Jesus Christ. And if we as believers intend to remain untangled in this world so that we may please Him, we must also be led by Him. We must be led by the rock that is Jesus Christ. I must be led by the rock that is higher than I. That was my goal in 2018. That was my goal in 2019. It was my goal in 2020, 2021, and it will be my goal in 2022 to be led by the rock that is higher than I. And as any Christian knows, our commitment to Christ 
as we move into this new year, I want to remind us that our commitment to Christ is directly proportionate to our faith in Christ. A strong commitment is because of a strong faith. I believe a strong commitment is because of a bold faith, which I think is what God wants us to hear about today, a bold faith. So take your Bibles, if you will, your copy of the Word of God, and go to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, there in the, in the New Testament, towards the, towards the end of the book. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to talk about a bold faith this morning. And while you're turning there, a couple of weeks ago we, we considered Christ as we, studied, as we studied Christ there in Hebrews chapter 3. We looked at His apostleship, we looked at His priesthood, and we looked at Him as our Messiah. And when we did so, we referenced some things here in chapter 10. Now, Jesus is, of course, our high priest, but He did more for us, more for all men than any single high priest. And in fact, all of the high priests. He did more than all of them put together could do, did or could ever do. You see, the high priest in the Old Testament, they sacrificed for the people, yes, but also for themselves, their own sins. But none of those sacrifices could ever take away sin. So Jesus, the Son of God, as our sinless sacrifice, gave Himself as the Lamb of God for all people. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. The Bible says, And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Verse 12 says, But this man, speaking of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. You know, as we read through this and we really capture this, this is what some would call a game changer. When Christ came into this world, when Christ paid our sin debt on that old rugged cross, it changed everything. It literally changed everything. You and I don't have to pay for our sin anymore. Yes, there are earthly consequences to our good and bad choices, but we don't have to pay for our sin anymore. That's worth rejoicing. That's worth shouting, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise God. That's enough to keep us going for a long time. If we could kind of call that a spiritual wave, we could ride that wave all the way to the grave or to the return of Christ. It's enough to keep us going. He paid for our sins. You and I don't have to pay for them anymore. Yes, there are earthly consequences to our good choices here and our bad choices here. But by God's grace through faith, we can, we can receive a permanent payment for the eternal consequences of our sin. Our sin debt, praise God, is paid in full. We must only repent and believe. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Simple, clear, and easy enough for a five-year-old to comprehend. You know, there are many confusing things in this world. There are a lot of confusing things in this world. It doesn't take us long to figure that out. But praise God, salvation, coming to Christ, eternal life, none of those things are confusing. They are simple. 
simple and clear. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. There are not many different ways. God didn't leave that kind of confusion for us to get to heaven. He sent His Son to be the way, the truth, and the life, so that no man can come to the Father but through Him. He is that door. 1 John 5, 12 says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And Romans 10, 13 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Again, friends, simple and clear. The salvation, the gospel message. Get this now. He is God. I am not. He is holy and sinless. I am not. If I confess my sins and I believe in my heart and call upon the name of Jesus, I shall be saved, the Bible says. Simple faith, a simple plan. And if all these things are true in my life, and all those things are true in your life, if you have accepted Christ, if I have accepted Christ, I want to say this morning, the more I get a hold of that truth, that concept, that Christ came into the world to die for sinners, I'm one of those sinners and I have eternal life through faith by grace, if I get a hold of that, or the more I get a hold of that, the bolder I will live for Him. The bolder my faith. A bold faith forward. As we begin this new year, it is my prayer that I can have a bold faith forward. It is my prayer that you can have a bold faith forward. And this boldness no surprise begins with God. It begins with God. Take a look again at Hebrews chapter 10. And this time I want to begin reading there in verse 16. The Bible says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where the remission of sin, uh, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, verse 19, boldness to enter into the holiness or the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us do some things. Let us draw nigh, draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, that our hearts, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Friends, I want to say this morning, let's have a bold faith forward. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the reading of Your text. We thank You for the Holy Scriptures. We thank You for meeting here with us this morning. We thank You for, I thank You for being with me. Lord, I pray, Lord, that You bless this message. Lord, that You send these words to whomever that You want to hear these words. Lord, whether it's around the world or here in this town, Lord, I pray that, you are, that these words will not return void. Lord, we thank You for the cross. I thank You for the cross. I thank You for eternal life. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that at this very moment in my life, 
I pray that I could be used of you. Lord, cleanse me. Forgive me of my sins and use me today. Lord, I love you. And I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, this boldness that we're speaking of here begins with God. A bold faith forward. You know, in the Old Testament, the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle there, you know, they, where the Ark of the Covenant was, the mercy seat, the, the cherubim stitched on the, on the walls there, all of those things represented the presence of an almighty creator God. And it was separated by a thick barrier called a veil where only the high priest entered once a year, not without blood. But Jesus became that veil. Now we enter into the presence of God through Him, His flesh and His blood, through Christ. He became that veil so that we can enter into the presence of our Creator God. Not timidly, timidly, not arrogantly, but boldly. Again, that boldness is directly proportionate to our faith in Christ. I can come before God boldly because I know that my sins were paid for on the cross of Calvary. That's how it works there. The more faith I have in this, the more boldly I can walk into His presence or even pray into His presence. I know they were paid. I have confidence that they were paid in full on the cross. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So in this verse we see that we are even commanded to come boldly boldly. And I am personally challenged as I prepare this message and even this very moment to have a bold faith forward this year. I ask that each of you join me. Join me in this movement, this, this bold faith forward into the year 2022. May it be our best year yet in our service to the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you join me? Have a bold faith forward. A bold faith. And speaking of this bold faith, as, as always the case, the Scriptures do not leave us in the dark. When it, it gives us a truth and how to apply that truth in our lives, it, it gives us an application of such boldness here. The author of Hebrews, God, ultimately uh, gives crystal clear guidance on how to be bold. Look at verse 19 again. Verse 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. The first truth I want to point out this morning is that we are to draw near to the Lord, and we're to do it boldly. Now, this first truth, this first imperative sounds almost redundant in that because we have boldness to enter into the holiest, we should boldly draw near to the Lord. They both kind of, in both cases, we're drawing near to the Lord. But this drawing has some subtle differences to it. Verse 22 again that states that we are to draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith. And there are many ways that we can probably understand that, but at the core we must read the text as it lies. A true heart and full assurance of faith. A true heart. We must go to God with a true heart. Not an untrue heart. Not a heart of hypocrisy. Not even a perfect heart, but a true heart. A true heart. In other words, God knows our hearts. He knows them. 
And he demands that we are real with him. That we do not disrespect him by pretending to be something we are not. In the depths of who we are, at the core of our being, we are to boldly approach God as we are. As we are. No fronts, no facades, no gimmicks, just you before the living God. You and God. Nothing else. Now this doesn't mean that God necessarily approves of anything in us, but that we come to Him honestly. You before God, by yourself. Not you and your spouse, you and your children, you and your parents. Just you and God in prayer. You and God. He wants us to come to Him honestly, openly, and deliberately transparent. Open so that He can see all. Now, he already sees it. So this exercise, if you want to call it that, is not really for God. It's for us. He has not changed. He is still a perfect and holy God. We are the inconsistency. But we are to draw near to him boldly and transparently with those inconsistencies, recognizing our wretched state in the light of his righteousness. Now, this is not normal. It's not a natural process for us to do as humans. Like Adam and Eve hid behind their fig leaves, you and I often find all kinds of things to put between us and God, to kind of fool ourselves into thinking that God really don't see this part of my life. But He sees it all. It's just not normal for us to let God see all of our sin, but again, He already sees it. So we might as well just be honest with Him and come to Him as we are. With all the baggage, with all the inconsistency, come just as we are, expecting Him to change us. And in order for, and in order for us to do this boldly, to draw near to Him with all of those inconsistencies... We must come in full assurance of faith. Again, it goes back to the cross. It goes back to the cross. You know what? Everything goes back to the cross. The cross should be our motivator. It keeps us on the straight and narrow, if you will. When all else fails, remember the cross. Remember the cross. We, when we draw nigh to God and we realize that He sees all of our, our brokenness, our baggage, our, our best and our worst, we must remember the cross and come in full assurance of faith. Listen, the only way we truly can come to God the Father the way we are, with a true heart, is to have full confidence that the way we are has been paid for, has been forgiven, has been cleansed. Have you heard the excuse when you invite somebody to church, well, if I go there, you know, your, your church would just go up in flames. I've heard that a couple times. Or, or lightning would strike. Maybe you've heard that, I don't know. Uh, but indirectly, that individual, uh, they are admitting the holiness of God, and they are indirectly admitting their own lack of holiness. But truth be told, in that little made-up scenario, my sins are as wicked as his sins. The only difference is that I have a full assurance of faith that my sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Not cocky, not arrogant, but confident in the efficacy of the cross, in the power of the cross, 
it's paid in full. When Jesus hung on that cross and he says, it is finished, it was finished. All of your sins have been paid for. A full assurance of faith in the work of Christ, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We are to boldly draw near to God with that true heart, full of assurance of faith. Honestly, confidently draw near to Christ. And whatever happens after this, whatever goals that you have for the cause of Christ, whether it's to go tell your neighbor about the Lord, to pray for your parents, to pray for your loved ones, to, to do whatever, go on the mission field, this is always the first step. This is always the first step in our faith, in living out that faith. A bold faith requires closeness with God. It requires dependence on God. Jesus told the disciples in John 15, 5, that without me you can do some things. No, without me ye can do nothing. And our drawing near to Him is more than just a private relationship. You see, you see salvation, as you know, comes with a personal relationship with our Redeemer. But that relationship should be made known. You know, most of us here, none of us had a secret wedding. Everybody knows if you're married, you usually don't hide that. But somehow, the folks in the church today, we want to hide our relationship with our, with our groom, with our Savior. It's not, it, these things should not be here. We should live boldly for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to boldly live out our faith before God and man. Which brings us kind of to the next point here. Look at verse 19 again. It says, Having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. We are to hold fast our profession without wavering. So first we are to boldly draw near to God. And now we are to boldly hold fast our profession. Holding fast to our profession can easily be applied to how we live. Very clearly, we, we are to live by faith without wavering. Habakkuk 2, chapter 2, verse 3, I think it is, we, the just shall live by faith. But before we get a, a little too far, and I want to remind us of, of something I've already alluded to a couple of times. I want to point out something. As Christians, we hold dear the fact that we have a friend in Jesus, and rightfully so. He is a friend of sinners. He's our Redeemer. He's our Creator, our Savior, and He should be even our best friend and we love the fact that through Him and because of Him, like we just talked about, we can boldly come to the throne of God in worship and prayer with our petitions. Whatever we have, we can come to God as a child of God. We can come boldly even. But, some, but we somehow lose that boldness when it comes to living out our faith before men. We are bold before God and timid before men. And the scriptures, I think, are clear here. Because we have a boldness to enter into God's presence, we are to hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. To hold fast means to keep close, to stay the course, to keep from going astray. We are to keep our profession of faith from wavering. In other words, if we profess to be a Christian, we are to boldly be a Christian. If we profess to live by faith, we are to boldly live out that faith, nothing wavering. And as we enter into a new year, 
into the year 2022, may you and I be encouraged to live out our faith boldly, regardless of what blessings or what persecutions await us. Determine today, right this very moment, if, if the Lord leads, to boldly live out your faith for the rest of this year. Determine to pray often. Determine to meditate on God's Word regularly. Determine to worship Him. Determine to live right, not according to man, but according to God, to His Word, according to our Savior, according to Him who gave you the boldness to do so. Determine to live right. Determine to hold fast your faith. When you're faced with temptation to lie or cheat, to take unethical shortcuts, or to say things you shouldn't, or refrain from doing what God led you to do, determine to stay the course, to hold fast your faith, to boldly live out that faith. If you and I can come boldly in the presence of God, our Creator, in private worship, and in prayer, then we can certainly live out our faith in this world before man. We are not to waver. We are to hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. We are not to waver. James 1 says, He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But as Christians, we are not double-minded. We are, we are not unstable. We are children of the living God who are to boldly live out our faith before God and before man, holding fast our profession of faith. Why? Notice verse 23 again. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. I mean, what a reason. What a reason to be faithful. Our, our Savior was faithful from the moment He left the heavenlies all the way to the cross, to the tomb, and up back to return to the throne, to the real Holy of Holies, faithful all the way through. He held fast His faith, His profession of faith. Let's be faithful because He is faithful. Hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. Just should be something Christians do. There are many commands in the Bible. There is actually a command to be sinless. There's a command to be holy. There's a command to be perfect. But we also have a command, a command to be found faithful, to hold fast the profession of our faith. Those other ones are, are tall orders. The command to be found um, sinless, be holy as I am holy, to call that an understatement or to call that difficult would be the understatement of the century or even our existence. But we can hold fast our faith. We can be faithful. When I was in high school, I played left bench in our eight-man all-star basketball team. I wasn't real tall, but I could double dribble really well, and I can foul out quicker than anybody else on the team. <laughs> Needless to say, I wasn't the best basketball player. But you know, I came to every practice. That probably was more the faithfulness of my parents. But I came to every practice. And I think that's a part of what God is asking us to do here. In other words, I might fail sometimes. I might let you down. I probably will let you down. I'll make mistakes. I will offend people. I will even let God down. These are not my desires. But by His grace, 
I can boldly draw near to Him with all those inconsistencies. By God's grace, I can find forgiveness through repentance. And by His grace, I can hold fast my profession of faith without wavering. I think one of God's greatest desires for His children is for us just to be found faithful. Faithful. Let's make 2022 a faithful year, our most faithful year yet. Commit to serve God. Hold fast the profession of our faith. And then as we go to our last truth here this morning, look at verse 19, along with verses 24 and 25. Verse 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So now you have boldness to enter into the presence of God. Verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We are to consider one another. Because we have boldness to enter into the presence of God, we should have boldness to provoke one another unto love and to good works. You know, provoke, it's not the normal word we would expect for a positive outcome, to provoke unto good works or to love. In fact, the underlying Greek word for that, uh, for provoke, is used only one other time in Scripture, and is translated as contention here in our text in Acts 1539, Describing the contention between Paul and Barnabas when they, when they split up. Its definition, however, is determined by its use in context, like many words are, for whether it's good or bad, but with equal force. It means to incite or irritate. In other words, let me ask this question. Have you ever been around a person whose attitude or demeanor actually changes your attitude or demeanor for good or for bad? I mean, think about that. If you were, when I was in the, in the military for a while, uh, I got the reputation that I didn't like having the Lord's name taken in vain around me. So sometimes when people come around me, they would refrain from doing that, or they would apologize once they did do it. Now, I wouldn't accept their apology. I say you need to apologize to God. He's the one that you, he, his name is what you, is the name you took in vain. But I, I, I appreciate your, your noticing my, my conviction. But I say all that to say this. So they knew my convictions and what my beliefs were, and I provoked them just by being there to good behavior. And I'm sure the same is true for many of us here, to provoke unto love and to good behavior. This is what we should be doing on a grander scale and even on a smaller scale from day to day for the cause of Christ, for the good, provoking unto love and to good works. You know, my wife was saved around this time of year, 21 years ago, and she did her best to irritate me, I mean, provoke me uh, unto good works to get me back in the church. I was already saved, but I was not living uh, right for the Lord. I was not in church, didn't even attend a church didn't have a church, but she continually provoked me in the right direction. Let's find a church. Let's worship together. I now looking back at that, I called her provoking, holy nagging. Uh, I think she laughs, but I don't know if she laughs because it's funny or she just appeases me, but whatever. We called it a holy nagging, and she provoked me unto good works. Now, there were some arguments between her and I during those times, but deep down, when she told me I need to be in church, I knew she was right. 
Deep down, I knew that my commitment to the Lord was lacking. A choice had to be made on my part. I could either continue in my rebellion to God, or I could yield to His leading through my wife and grow together in love and commitment to Christ. I chose the latter, and God has continued to lead and guide us every step of the way. This is just an earthly example of how to provoke unto love and good works. But whatever the case may be, in your life, in my life, or in other areas, if we have the boldness to enter into the presence of God in prayer, we should have the boldness to provoke unto love and good works. Have the boldness to consider one another. Have the boldness to think enough about other people to help them live in a way that honors Christ, even irritating them sometimes in a loving kind of way. The responsibility of considering goes even further than this, to consider others. Look at verses 24 and 25 again. He says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. In this text are actually four things in this passage under the heading of considering one another. It says, Consider one another to, number one, provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, and to exhort one another, I think I missed one there. I'll provoke unto love, provoke unto good works, assemble with the believers, and exhort one another. To exhort means to come alongside of, to comfort, to encourage, to build up. It's the more intimate version of provoking, if you will. And the phrase, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, is, is probably one of the strongest passages in the Bible for church attendance. My takeaway is that is this. If I am bold enough to come into the presence of the Lord privately, then I can certainly do so publicly by coming to church. The next phrase says, as the manner of some is, that phrase truly puts every Christian into one of two categories. What are those categories? Those who forsake the assembling of ourselves together? And as some do, and those who do not. My challenge to you today, this morning, those who have clearly chosen to assemble in worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, is to have the boldness to continue what you've started today. You're in church. You've come to worship Him. Have the boldness to do this the rest of this year, if not the rest of your life. Have the boldness to continue. You know, of all the Greek words that could be chosen to represent our coming together to worship, this assembling, not forsaking, the assembling, that word there in verse 25, of all the words, the author of Hebrews chose a word that, again, is only used one other time in all of the New Testament. It means to come together completely. Like a church in this area, the Christian should come together completely. The Apostle Paul used it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in reference to our coming together at the return of Christ. We would all understand that to be complete. We who are in Christ will be present at the return of Christ when He takes us home 
We all understand that to be complete. So this is the same word, the forsaking, not forsaking the assembling, the complete gathering of ourselves together. You see, when the Lord returns, Christians will gather and meet and worship Him in person. Today we meet and gather to worship Him in spirit. It's important to have this boldness. God has given us a boldness to come to Him. Let's live out this boldness in our lives. Let's draw near to Him. Let's hold fast our faith. Let's consider one another. The Bible again says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ, let us draw near with a true heart, full of assurance, and full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast to profession of our faith without wavering, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. As we enter into the year 2022, may we not be entangled with the affairs of this life. May we be led by the rock of our salvation. May we have a bold faith forward. A bold faith forward. Let us pray.